You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked on Mavericks for September 20th. It's a Tuesday. I'm Mike Marshall, joined with uh, joined by Jake Kemp of The Tickets. We are a part of the uh, Locked on Podcast Network. It is your daily source for uh, news and um, you know on-demand little segments on your team. We're here for you every single day. Um, we've got your Mavericks covered, but there is a uh, your NFL team of liking is in there somewhere. If you do fantasy sports, it's in there as well. So go check it out. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing really well, and uh, it's a pretty pretty nifty idea to give you a daily segment on uh, your favorite team, so you can stay up. You'll be uh, probably over prepared for the season, which is <laughs> you know quite a month away still. But that's all right. You can impress your friends. Um, feel free to subscribe. Uh, on iTunes or whatever you do on an Android, give us a review, tell a friend about it. Why not? But uh, today, before we get to uh, what we're going to do here, which is our position preview number two, which is shooting guards, as we uh, take the real advanced approach and just go up the depth chart, <laughs> left, to, <laughs> left to right. Um, and by the way, positionality in this league is kind of insane to me. Um, I think we've both said this for, I don't know, going on five years now, that it really doesn't matter what they put you as. If they put PG next to your name or SG or, or whatever, it's about who you can guard. And we'll for sure figure that out with Wes Matthews and Seth Curry, which are the two main dudes we'll talk about uh, today. But uh, some Mavericks news to touch on real briefly here. They signed a individual named CJ Williams, and you don't really need to care about him that much. He played in uh, France last last year, uh, spent a summer league with the uh, Timberwolves. Here's one sentence scouting report on him. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he shot really well in summer league for the Timberwolves a couple years ago, and he kind of fancies himself a sharpshooter. Um, whether or not he's actually that uh, is the other part of the coin. He shot five plus threes per game for uh, in France last year, and I think made below, where was it? below 34%, but he just kept chunking them up, so whatever. Why that's important is their training camp roster is finalized. There are 20 dudes on the Mavericks roster right now for 15 spots, and you can fill up 13 of those spots very easily just by looking at dudes that have guaranteed contracts, uh, guys that are obviously valuable enough to keep. I throw A.J. Hammonds in there, whether or not that'll come to come to fruition <clears throat> might be a different matter, but so there are seven dudes fighting for two spots in this roster whenever training camp starts. Jonathan Gibson, I think, has one of them because he has a three-year deal. A lot of it's non-guaranteed, but you don't want to pay dead money, a uh, senseless contract, mm-hmm. um, you know, just paying a dude for the next two years for nothing. So I think Jonathan Gibson has one of those spots, the point guard we talked about a little bit yesterday. So you're literally talking about six dudes for one spot in training camp. Um so what we'll to see how that shakes out. And I don't think any of them will have a large impact on the season. So that's why we don't spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, especially given that we're talking about Carlisle. <laughs> yeah. 
He'd, uh, he'd rather he'd rather die than <laughs> trust a rookie and then make a mistake. Yeah, I mean, it took uh, injuries and pretty much just an act of God and losing streak to get Justin Anderson a first-round pick legit minutes. So uh, it would be really surprising to me if any of the dudes you just mentioned play like at all. Um, they may end up in your D-League team. And I actually saw something the other day that maybe we can discuss in one of our days where we're trying to – do something a little more outside the box on how the NBA D League is actually now becoming it's closer to being a legit minor league than it's ever been before. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'd definitely be interested in talking about that. I think it was uh Tom Ziller that wrote it, but I mean I guess that's interesting to me that that you might actually be able to develop these guys um, you know, for a couple years down the line, but that's really all we're talking about at most. Yeah, absolutely. Um somebody that could I don't even know if they could catch minutes in a couple of years yeah. uh, down the road. But, uh, yeah, there are guys at the uh, shooting guard position that just won't be in the rotation. I don't see in any way possible. So we'll basically skip those dudes and a lot of our time for the people that are important uh, in Wes Matthews and Seth Curry. Um, I do realize Nicholas Brasino's listed as a shooting guard, Kyle Collinsworth, Keith Hornsby, and C.J. Williams, but they will not be a factor. So – Let's and focus Seth, on... Seth runs the point quite a bit, too. I mean, I know we had to like, does. put it somewhere, and like you said, it depends on who he's guarding. But in in most of his games with Sacramento, he was on the floor with another wing-ish type player. But he's not a two in the sense that Wes Matthews is, and he's not a one in the sense that Darren Williams is. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, he'll bring the ball up. Like, if he's on the court without J.J. Barea necessarily, I think he brings the ball up. Right. And he does a lot of a lot of point guard things. But this is – yeah, this is one of the things that drives me crazy about um, just these positional structures in the NBA because you can say a guy does point guard things and people think whoever is literally dribbling the ball past half court is the point guard. Yeah. Um, Seth Curry can do all of it. Yeah, he plays play off the ball a little bit for sure. Yeah, and I think with J.J. Barea um, as your main backup point guard, uh, you want J.J. handling the ball and probably make it easier on Seth to just kind of spot up out there or be that secondary ball handler that initiates uh, pick and roll. But let's start with uh, Wesley Matthews, our prized free agent from last offseason. Um, I think we've said a couple times on this podcast that uh, – we really wanted Wesley Matthews a <laughs> uh, year before last whenever he was in Portland. Like, I had earmarked that dude going into the season before and was going to keep an eye on what was going on in Portland with uh, Aldrich and Lillard and C.J. McCollum just to see if they had money or if they were, like, on the cusp of challenging for the Western Conference that maybe we could pry Wesley Matthews from them in the offseason. And then he tears his Achilles. Um... And the entire story changes. And I still wanted Wesley Matthews. Um, I don't know if I wanted him at you know that number, but that was the going rate to keep him away from the Sacramento Kings, I believe, was the other team in the bidding. So here we are. And we kind of got to get over the Achilles thing because um, it's just what it is, man. They're not – he didn't take a month off at the beginning of the season last year, which probably would have been smart. Um, and what worked out numbers-wise was his career low in field goal percentage, uh, three-point percentage, true shooting percentage, uh, not career low in points because his rookie season he didn't play that much, um, but basically a below-average contributor 
um, for the season out of Wesley Matthews. Like we talked about yesterday with Darren, a guy that's getting 34 minutes a game at on a decent offense in the Western Conference, you'd like to think um, he would give you more. Yeah, I mean, to start with the deal, um, and I know we've we've hit on this a little bit in the last couple of days. I actually, you know, it's a four-year deal, and, and much like with Berea, I think a lot of people thought, well, the fact that you added money to it somehow made it like less palatable, but it, it, it only went from like four for 58 for four for 70. So you're talking about an increase of two and a half or three a year, which sounds like a lot if your cap is 58, 60, 70. But if your cap is 90 or 108, <clears throat> which it'll be 90 in year two, it'll be 108 in year three, and it'll probably be about 103 in year four of his contract. You're talking about it's not enough to, to make to bother me. It's not enough to bother me that they uh, increased it, and it's not enough to bother me overall uh, it, with regard to the deal being that bad. I mean, if you look at some of the guys that were signed off this offseason and then consider their contracts as percentage of the cap, all of a sudden, you know, $17 million a year for Wes Matthews is, is not a bargain, but it's not terrible. Like, if he had had the season he had last year, and that was his free agency year, then he wouldn't have gotten 17 a year this offseason, even under the new cap. But yeah. if he had just been coming off of a pretty good year where he tore his Achilles, I still think he would have gotten this deal in this uh, in this market, 17 out of 90 pro, you know, going forward over 108. So to me, it's a fine deal. Um, if he was like – if last year is about 75 to 80% what he can be, then it could be a really good deal. And I think he was – Better than we probably give him credit for defensively um, because he was oftentimes having to guard the other team's best player, whether they were, you know, one through four. And I think he started out really slow from three, but ended up not that bad. Like over his last 20 games, he was 38% from three. That's about his career average. Yeah, that's so, exactly. So to me, you can get by with that. The first, you know, what, 50 or so other games, 55, he was closer to 34, 35%. If he can hit, in a good offense, which, you know, he was kind of on a good offense, so I don't know that it's reasonable to expect it to be better than before. But if he can hit it 39% from three and he can still play 33 minutes and he can still guard the other team's best player, and more importantly, if he can ever just give you anything at the rim, yeah. then, I, then I don't think that $17 million a year for him is that bad. I don't either. I think, I think this year he kind of lives up to it. Um, because with Harrison Barnes um, being beside him, he'll guard guys out of position um, and guys that he probably, you know, isn't quite up to the task of guarding. But you also have Harrison Barnes there. So if it's a larger uh, wing player, which Wes, I think, defended um, threes more than he defended twos last year. If you look at his, uh, you know, positional breakdown, I think it's I think it was like 70 percent guarding small forwards. So you take the other team's best player and you're throwing it on him. And I was kind of shocked to realize that his defensive rating was so bad. Like the basketball reference version, uh, he was at a 110, which makes him a negative overall player. Yeah. But I, you know, the eyeball test was his on-ball defense is fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. And you, you kind of, you know, factor into your formula of how a guy's playing, um, knowing the situation. And knowing that he shouldn't have to guard, you know, Kevin Durant. Or he shouldn't have to guard, you know, fill in your elite wing player over there. And I think Harrison Barnes is going to help him a lot in that. Because if it's a, if it's a larger dude, then it's Harrison Barnes' uh, task for the evening. If I it's think, a small – go ahead. 
But I was just going to say, I think also, depending on how they work their lineups, Anderson might be able to help as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. they're not both going to be starting, but if they're on the floor at the same time together, that helps. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a weird deal. His real plus minus and his D rating are not that good, but I think I would be surprised if they're not better next year. Now, another area that he really, really tanked last year is his just close range shooting. And yep. not so much like, you know, uh, basketball reference breaks it down zero to two, three to nine. Last year's three to f- nine foot field goal percentage was thirty four percent. Like that is awful. Yeah. Now only about ten percent of his looks are coming out of that, but I mean that's just that's a career low. It's atrocious. I don't know if it's related to the Achilles or not, but I guess my thing is for him offensively, if he could just be a little bit better, and defensively, if he could probably be deployed a little bit better, then I have no problem with his. With his deal, it's not going to be this. Like, ideally, if you had signed a healthy version of Wes Matthews at that number over four years, three of them being on a higher cap, you would have an absolute steal on your hands. Like that's yeah. what he was. He, he was poised to be a guy who, much like any deal signed last last off season, was going to look really good. And now you're less certain that you ever get quite to that point. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm confident that he's I don't know if his athleticism bounces back or his Achilles, you know, strengthens and he gets his legs underneath him. I just think he's going to be one year smarter of having to deal with this and realizing how I actually get my shot cuz you have big ideas uh in the off season of things you're going to work on. Um and whenever you're recovering uh doing rehab every day, it kind of shortens what you can actually feel out um and how much time you have to ha- have available to actually be on court and try things out last year I'm sure you feel the same way I'd watch him catch the ball and he would have no plan of what to do once he stepped inside the three-point line and that three to nine foot range I feel like that's the range where um, you have to beat somebody on a second step and get get in the paint and have some kind of plan some kind of go-to he never had one man that second jump and that second, uh, you know, burst to get a clean shot off at the rim in between three to nine feet, that's all about athleticism to me. Yeah. That's all about second bounce. And he didn't have it, and he didn't know what to do with it. Um, and I think just one year removed and an entire offseason to figure out his skill set and be completely comfortable with it and just have some kind of go-to uh, when someone chases him off the three-point line, I think just naturally – He's going to have a better percentage year um, inside, even outside uh, from three-point range. Like 360 is is really low for him um, for a career number. Uh, And then 43% inside, like that's not livable. (laughs) He He only attempted 24 layups last year. Like that's insane to me for a dude that played 34 minutes a night. At the two guard. At the two guard, yeah. So I think just naturally he's going to be more comfortable in his body. He's going to figure out what tricks he can pull off. Um, and he's going to have some kind of plan that he worked on this offseason um, in terms of how do I adjust to I don't have I don't quite have that bounce. I don't quite have what I want. So I think he gets I don't think it's crazy to think he gets a 39 percent from three. And if you just roll that all into your overall field goal percentage um, before last year, he was roughly a 44 to 45 percent guy. I Basically, I think you'll get his exact same numbers back. Um, it might look a little different, whatever. I think, I think he's going to end up being just fine this year. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I think he's a part of a, you know, a contending backcourt, but I don't think, I think people will be fine with him after this year, especially 
whenever they start, you know, mid-year comparing his salary to some of the other guys that got signed this offseason. And that's probably a decent way to transfer into Curry or transition into Curry because I still can't believe that that guy signed for as little as he did. I mean, I know that he hasn't really proven himself in the NBA at all, but, I mean, dude, he's making $2.5 million a year. Yeah. Like, if you talk about, like, what he is relative to – I mean, that's veteran minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – Quincy AC got – he got a mill. I don't know if he's full uh, veteran. Beret is four. Yeah, so he slides in there behind – Dwight Powell, Devin Harris, J.J. Barea making substantially like a 1.1 mil less than J.J. Barea this year. For his age 26 and 27 seasons. And, mm-hmm. you know, really he hasn't ever – you're basing this all off of a, a what, two-month period? Where yeah, it's, at the it's end basically of the year- nine, nine games that he started, I think, um, overall. But, yeah, it was uh, – where did we go? Sorry. Um it's March and April. Yeah. It's it's nine games of March and April. Uh, he started – go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, before that, he'd played in four games. Yeah. <laughs> so, he was pretty much a D-League player. But if you go back to, yeah, the, the just the beginning of March, when they started actually giving him run, that goes over 17 games, and it's two months, and it's 25 minutes a game at 47% from three. Yeah, that's nuts. And, you know, certainly that's not sustainable, but are you sure that he can't hit it 42 to 43% in 12 to 14 minutes a night? Mm-hmm. Like, are you are you sure that he can't hit, I don't know, what, two out of five a night? Yeah. No, I think that's very doable. And, yeah, the, the nine games started at the end of the season. Overalls were 14 points, three rebounds, 3.8 assists. Uh, almost twenty percent usage, <laughs> so he's yeah. not he's not shy. No. Um, and then forty seven percent from three whenever he did start. So that to me, that's the kind of like extrapolating out of a skill set that um, you know Houston did with James Harden, obviously on a much larger scale, and just banking on a dude that okay, it's not all, it's not going to be a perfect. I give you twice as many minutes, you produce twice as much, but. If you get, you know, three quarters of, uh, you know, whatever your twice as much would be from him, I think he's going to be a huge asset. And I, I, I really like the shooting guard position right now because of this, um, or whatever you want to call it, off-ball guard or um, yeah. sec- secondary ball handler. Because I think both these dudes, um, Wes is such a rare case where I feel like a dude that's about to turn 30 is actually going to have a better year. Um, and Seth, I don't think anybody would say that, um, you know, Seth Curry's not going to take a step forward this year. It's just a matter. The only, the only question you have is why nobody wanted him. Why nobody in this market for, I mean, even with, even with proving nothing other than playing in 20 games, uh, and you know, 20 games at the end of the season where they didn't really matter all that much. There are guys who have done really even less who got about that same amount, uh, this off season. So to me, it's just. The only thing that holds me up is why did no one want him at two for five for his age 26 and 27 seasons? And I think one of them, I think, is a – maybe there's a team option. Uh, I mean, they would be look. crazy not to exercise it. But, uh, you know, Sacramento declined their option on him at a million dollars after seeing <laughs> him for a month. 
a million dollars on a 90% or a $90 million cap. They didn't want him. And to me, if you wanted to, you know, sort of provide the counter to that, it would be that the Mavericks can get the most out of a guy like this. Yeah. And I would all, I really only have to look at Berea to convince myself of that. I, I think he ends up playing, you know, like I said, 12, I don't know, 12 to 15 minutes a night, and I wouldn't be surprised if he shoots 43% or so from three. I mean, Berea hit 23 minutes a game last year. Their turnover to assist ratios are about the same, both at about three uh, three to one, uh, and actually Curry's is a little bit better. I don't know. I wonder if, like, it's a weird deal where him being Steph Curry's brother actually works against him. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's uh... – I don't, I don't think that that's a crazy idea at all. And, yeah, it is guaranteed for next year. Um, so two years, total $5.926 million. And like you said, Sacramento turned down a one-year his, – his option of $1 million. You're telling me you can get better bang for your buck for 1.12% of your cap than Seth Curry? Yeah, I mean, I think he probably takes not Berea but Devin's minutes – yeah. While making less than Devin and probably being more reliable, uh, which is not hard to do. And so mm-hmm. if he's here next year or if it's a guy that ends up, you know, being Berea light for you and you decide you want to trade him, or as Berea ages, he just takes over your you know, one of your 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 primary ball handle off the bench role. I mean, I think that he might be the player I'm most excited about on their team, which is pretty ridiculous considering he's only played in the NBA for like two months. <laughs> right. Now, I'm, I'm more uh, excited for his upside than just about every, anybody not named Justin Anderson. Um, but, like, to actually physically watch a dude uh, compete for my team, I'm super excited about Bogut. That might be my number one just to see – because it's, it's a different formula of basketball that we're going to be, be able to watch. Like yeah. an actual, actual rim protector – and an actual big uh, roaming around, like that's gonna be—it's gonna be weird. It's gonna take a while to get used to, but uh, and I think Seth is gonna be one of the best, like bang for your buck contracts in the Western Conference. And the why nobody else came after him thing didn't doesn't really worry me because I'm sure you know the Sixers could have came after him and given him like you know two for fifteen million or something like that. I think he wanted to be here. Yeah, I think he knew this situation. And he's seen what a, uh, you know, you can look at J.J. Bray, you can look at Jason Terry, you can look at um, 15 other examples of off-ball guards that have flourished under Rick Carlisle and how easy his job will be with that second unit um, now that it's, you know, an exciting second unit. And even when he uh, shares time with Dirk on the court, I think he wanted to be here. And I, I'm going to – that's my first question to him next Monday. Like, why here, dude? Why for – what did you do for two two years, $6 million? Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see what he says, but I'm I'm overall excited for the shooting guard position because it's one of the positions where I think both the primary dudes that are going to get minutes are actually going to get better. Um, yeah, I and, agree, and I and I think you can say that about West too, as far as him wanting to be here. Um, so that's you know that's yeah. something to look forward to. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I'm not trying to say that they're going to like set the world on fire, but it's it's hard not to be at least optimistic about both of them. Yeah, and every other position I look at, I mean, I guess small forward's pretty exciting as well because both the dudes are super young and Harrison Barnes and Justin Anderson. But those two positions, like, if you're going to get um, incremental growth or, like, you know, things we don't factor in, which is, like, off season to game one, 
the actual growth that people get over a summer, which is very hard to like, you can't, you can't numerically state that, but you know, sometimes you'll see teams and you're like, okay, they didn't do anything different. They just got better off uh, during the off season. Um, I think like if, if we're going to have that kind of moment this year in any way and say, well, this team's a little bit better. Everybody's going to say that at some point about the Mavericks is they're a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. Um, it's probably going to be from Wes Matthews getting healthy, figuring out his superpowers, how to use them. Seth Curry getting more minutes uh, and being one of the best bang for your buck contracts, probably in the Western Conference this season. Harrison Barnes, I think he's going to have a Wes Matthews last year season where he's kind of adjusting. Um, and then Justin Anderson's growth. Like, that's that's the hope for this team, quite honestly. Yeah, and like, the fact that they still have their pick uh, yeah. for once. So tomorrow I guess we can slide down to the uh, – the wing small forward and uh really fight about whether or not justin anderson can be an mvp before he <laughs> needs a second contract let's just get a dunk contest first okay that works. how about that <laughs> all right all right tomorrow is small forwards uh thanks for joining us and once again subscribe to the uh locked on mavericks podcast and uh whatever your, your other favorite teams are on the uh, locked on podcast network all right thanks jake we'll see you